Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Today we have a great episode about the InSight mission at Mars, and they just published a bunch of papers in Nature about uh, all the science they've done over the past year. So it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty exciting thing to cover, given that we got to talk about InSight a whole year ago. Yeah, it's been awesome to see the evolution of this mission since we covered the challenges of its entry uh, just over a year ago, like you mentioned, Charlie. It's neat to see that they're actually uncovering a lot of interesting, unexpected science from the surface of Mars, too. Yeah, they even have pictures of a dust devil flying by the lander and uh, some other really cool stuff. So we hope you enjoy the episode and thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. My name is Charlie and I'm here with James, over the computer at least. Yes, here with me a thousand miles away. After much frustration trying to set up this video call. You'd think after 81 episodes we'd have this down, but still, there's always something that gets back to us. Yeah, this is why it takes five years to get a PhD. Yeah. Jeez. You can't learn anything quickly. Nope. Well, I'm excited to be here, Charlie, despite the technical issues. Thank you, Skype, not to name names. You should be excited. We're talking about Mars quakes today. Mars quakes. I know. I saw yeah. this in the news and I was like, Charlie, you have to cover this. Yeah. Thank you for tipping me off. I'm surprised that this wasn't like right at the front of my radar because I love this kind of stuff. You literally like, you probably sit two offices down from the people who are working on this. I actually do sit like with line of sight to a, to the guy who built the CubeSats that flew to Mars with Insight. Whoa. Yeah. Dude, that is it's pretty crazy. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the article. I literally only looked at the headline. So Oh, me too. <laughs> great, great paper. It'll point. be a good episode. No, so well, so I mean, we're talking about the Insight mission to Mars, which we've actually talked about on the podcast before. Everyone should go back to whenever that was, like, I don't know, January 2019 or something, when it actually landed on Mars. Our most listened to episode. It is our most listened to episode. I think we, yeah. That was a fun uh, one. But we, we were talking about how hard the actual landing problem of putting something on the surface of Mars is. Mm -hmm. So that's, like, one whole really interesting area. But once you actually land on Mars, I mean, you're not there just to prove that you can do it. You're there to actually do science. And so the InSight mission, man, I need to look up. Oh, actually, it's called, it stands for Interior Exploration Using Seismic Investigations, Geodesy, and Heat Transport. One of the most egregious backronyms I've ever seen. Yes. This was, uh, there's like capitals and lowercase letters and yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, but also uh, clever on the part of the principal investigator. It's give and take. But yeah, I mean, it's it's basically like a geology experiment. It's there measuring, it's measuring earthquakes, but on Mars. Wow, this sounds oddly close to our most recent bonus episode. It it definitely is. It's is super big tie in with our tectonic plate activity going on in the bonus episode. I mean, I think this is an appropriate time for a plug for the Patreon. 
Yes. Patreon.com slash paperboyspod. We had a bonus episode this month about uh, continental drift, which like I, I was very surprised to find out was not even accepted as science or accepted as like scientific fact until the late 1960s. Yes. It's crazy. I learned a lot from that episode. Interesting to see how it's really only in the 20th century that we even started to understand how our own planet is shaped and structured. And now we're on Mars learning more about a completely different planetary structure. Man, can you imagine if Alfred Wegener, the guy who first came up with continental drift back in the early 1900s, imagine if you could go back and tell him, hey, we landed a science experiment on Mars that measured Mars quakes, and uh, and we know that Mars has tectonic plates. Actually, I think Mars doesn't have tectonic plates. Is that true? I, I, is that really true? Because they talk about tectonic activity in this paper. Well, okay. I'm going to quote Wikipedia here, which is okay. a horrible move. But here's what Tectonics of Mars says. In general, Mars lacks unambiguous evidence that terrestrial-style plate tectonics has shaped its surface. However, okay, in some places, magnetic anomalies in the Martian crust that are linear in shape and alternating polarity have been detected by orbiting satellites. So, like, maybe it's, like, 50-50. It mm, kind of okay. has tectonic plates. Jury's still out on that one, according to Wikipedia. Okay. Uh, anyway, so go check that out. Our bonus episode will be a nice tie-in to what we're going to talk about today. Paperboys, sorry, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. Yes. Well, cool. I'm excited to dive into this paper. I know Insight's been in the news a lot the last couple months because it had a hard time digging its probe into the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Insight has three main like science experiments on it. One of those is called the Heat Flow and Physical Properties Package. And what it basically is, is like this, I think they call it the mole. And it's this, it's this instrument that's hammering its way down into the ground. And it's supposed to go, I think, like five meters deep. And it's, gonna me- and it's supposed to measure, I think, like heat flow in the planet. Hmm. But it hasn't, it, it actually got stuck. So it was hammering away for like, I think, months. It got stuck against something. And they think it was like a rock or, this, or maybe the soil is just very dense. So they eventually, they kind of took stock of what to do. And they pulled it out after a lot of deliberation and now they're trying to put it back in and they're trying to use like this robotic arm on the, on the lander to like push it down harder. And they're using like all these other like different techniques of, uh, it's cool actually at JPL, you can go and look at, they have this lab called the in-situ instruments laboratory mm-hmm. and they have like the, the, I think they call it like the flight double or the engineering unit or something of the insight lander. And you see it, it's sitting there in this bed of like simulated Martian soil Wow, that that little probe there and like that's where they do the testing to see how they can get this thing to dig under the sand that's amazing that's got to be so cool to see yeah so they're trying to figure out how to do that but that's not really what the paper's about okay but insight is basically the martian equivalent of macgyver just to be clear it it definitely is yeah okay there's some paper clips involved and (laughs) rubber bands can we get this guy a rubber band yeah cool well so if it this paper isn't about the mole what is it about? So let me, uh, well, let me read some headlines, I guess, which will give you kind of the, the broad strokes. Washington Post says, 
NASA Mars Lander Insight discovers quakes, magnetism, and atmospheric currents. Hmm. Business Insider says, NASA's Mars Insight Lander reports 450 Mars quakes, 10,000 whirlwinds. Wow. Yeah. And then um, BGR, I hated this. What's BGR says, Mars loves to shake its booty, NASA confirms. <laughs> That's up there in like worst headlines we've seen. Yes. And and there's two there's two things that I hate about it. One is the shake its booty. And then two is NASA confirms, which implies that it was it was long held theory that Mars loves to shake its booty. We, we weren't concerned about it before. But yeah. After billions of dollars in investment sending rivers, we now know. Yeah. That used to be a citation needed on Wikipedia. Damn. Wait, what's BGR? I don't know, a news site that used the headline <laughs> called Mars Loves to Shake Its Booty, NASA Confirms. Dude, why don't we get more headlines from there? Yeah, um, Pro- probably for this reason. Yeah. What is the actual paper then that these news articles were citing? So it was actually uh, a suite of six papers, and they were all published in Nature. So uh, someone's, actually a lot of people's CVs just got a significant bump. Nice. For having six nature papers published on the same day. And it I think it essentially represents like the first the first published reporting of science that Insight has done at Mars. Okay. So the paper that I read is like the is the overview paper. It's uh it's the perspective paper, quote unquote. And it's called Initial Results from the Insight Mission on Mars. But there are five other papers that covered um the seismicity and Mars's atmosphere, the geology of their landing site, uh, magnetic fields, and then like the structure of the ground on Mars. Wow. Okay. This is cool. So it's really sort of broad representation. Sorry. Yeah. It's a, a lot of science. Like I feel like if you were a planetary scientist, the publication of these six papers was probably like the best day you've had all year, you know? Nice. Yeah. Like you just like you just learned so much more about Mars on this one day. That's awesome. I'm just scrolling through some of the papers on nature. And already from the pictures, it looks like there are great graphics. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is a this is like a very well done paper. And they you know, there's like dozens of authors on this list, so sweet. Well I can't wait to dive in. Uh yeah, so what they're talking about like I said, this one, this paper is is kind of an overview of what's covered in the rest of the papers. Um, but primarily, I think the data that they are talking about is coming from this one instrument called Seismic Experiment for Interior Structure, or SIZE. SIZE. I don't really know how to say that acronym, but it's 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 basically the seismometer. Okay. So this thing is sitting out on the surface, and it's got like a wind cover, and uh, so the way that a seismometer works is i mean you can detect like earthquakes by just detecting motion of the ground and so you would want something that's really sensitive to detect motion of the ground if you want to detect like very small quakes right Mm -hmm. and i found this uh this really cool fun fact about the size instrument it's so sensitive it can detect surface movements smaller than a hydrogen atom what well really yeah isn't that crazy that's insane. So like the sensitivity of the motion of this device is smaller than a hydrogen atom's 
size. Wow. That's crazy. I actually, how is that possible? I don't really know. I don't really know how the instrument works. I just read that on the NASA website and was like, all right, I have to share that because it's really cool. Dang. Okay. Cool. That's an insane fact. Wouldn't it be so cool to work on an instrument that can do that? Yeah. And do it on Mars. Yeah. Uh, so the paper walks through like a, uh, a couple of the major findings. And one of, the, one of the ones that I thought was really cool was it's talking about the atmosphere, like all these atmospheric measurements that they've made. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the most like common things they've been measuring is actually dust devils. Really? Yeah. So like these little like mini tornadoes. And I think that this site where they've landed, they said this is like by far the most. Uh, so, I mean, they've measured other rovers and landers have measured dust devils before. We've taken pictures of dust devils on the Martian surface. My desktop background is actually a picture that the Opportunity rover took of a dust devil flying by, which is really cool. Wow. Um, Dude. So it's not it's not like unknown. Yeah. But there's been, I think one of the headlines said there's been like 10,000 of these dust devils. The point is they've, they've been able to measure a lot of them going by the, the lander. And they actually, a couple of them, they've had like joint observations. So they were able to take data from, from the lander itself and then also images from the, um, the high-rise camera on the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. And, and you can mm-hmm. actually see the tracks that these dust devils leave as they pass by the lander. Whoa. Like from space. That's so cool. So yeah, it's really cool. The like in-situ measurement on the ground as well as the bird's eye view from the orbiter. Yeah, yeah. And so, so they have this picture where they show like the view from orbit and you can see these tracks going across close to the lander. And then they also have a picture from the lander itself where you can see like the dark, uh, kind of the dark like trail that was left behind by the dust devil because it went like really close to the lander. Wow. Dude, you have to upload this. I got to see this. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we'll post the paper on the website and so people can go to that. It's like this big yellow box. It's sort of like a textbook, you know, how they... It has all this information, and then they have that little blue box set to the side with some cool information. Mm-hmm. This is all about the dust devil that they found. Sweet. But they also, but they also were able to take measurements. And what's cool is um, these dust devils like disturb the ground, and so the seismometer picks up that data as well. And so they actually use that data. It's not just like cool pictures, uh, although that's the part about it that I like the most. It's also it also helps them characterize the ground around them, like by by seeing how the ground moved when the dust devil passed by and knowing what the pressure variation was due to the dust devil. They can actually like, you know, learn things from that. Wow, I never realized that was a that would happen from the dust devil. I mean, I know I would never think of that. Like that it would, you know, I mean, you can you know that it moves the ground and that it like blows the dust around. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like shaking the ground the way that an earthquake does, I would just not really, I wouldn't really think about that. Hmm. Cool. That's a lot of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mentioned that it was like very active compared to other sites that they've been. Uh, it was, it was kind of cool. They actually have been noticing like this pattern where it's just a very turbulent atmospheric environment where they are. 
And so there's all these these dust devils and it's just very windy. And uh, But they notice that it's actually happening in this periodic like daily pattern, which I think is not really has not really been measured anywhere else. This uh, periodic pattern for the dust devils or just for the general seismic activity? For the dust devils. So this is still just atmospheric stuff. Okay, okay. So the next major topic they talk about is um, is actually like magnetic fields. And I found this really interesting because I didn't really know a whole lot about Mars's magnetic field. I actually was kind of under the impression that it didn't really have one because we always talk about how, oh, it lost its atmosphere because there's no field. Mm-hmm. But they actually are able to like get measurements of the field on the surface, which which I guess is actually a first. Like even though we've we've landed so many things there, we've got all these rovers driving around. I don't think any of them actually had a magnetometer. Really? Yeah. Can you believe that? Hmm. That's interesting. Wait, didn't Curiosity? I guess it, that must have been an accelerometer measuring the difference in acceleration as it went up that mountain. Yeah, we had that episode that we did. It was an accelerometer. Okay. Hmm. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, we should just fly this because it's never been flown before. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So, and they've taken they've taken these measurements, and they actually found that they, you know, they had some prediction that the magnetic field would be a certain strength at the surface based on what they've measured from orbit. But what they actually have found in the site where they are, it's like ten times stronger than what they expected. Wow, which is like a huge discrepancy. Yeah, to, for it to be ten times different. Yeah, and. I think that so, like a lot of the magnetization is coming from, it's like trapped in the rock of Mars itself, and oh. a lot of that rock is really old. It's like it's like three point seven billion years old or something like that. Whoa! Which which sort of implies that Mars may have had like this strong magnetic field that was produced by like a dynamo, the way that it is on Earth, and it has just cooled subsequently. Uh. Yeah, yeah. And so that I guess it doesn't have a dynamo anymore, you know, an interior that's that's rotating and producing this field. I think that the magnetization is just now trapped in the rock. Just the residual Yeah, yeah. Effects. Yeah. Huh. So okay. I have a side question, just generally. Because I was talking to someone about this like last week. Does Earth and so Earth and Mars are pretty similar sizes. Earth's core is still molten. Still has this dynamo. Mm-hmm. Is that just because Earth is closer to the sun? So like the gravitational effect of the sun keeps the interior of the Earth heated more? Uh, I don't I don't think that that is the reason. Because, you know, I don't think like Mercury has a dynamo. Okay. But like, remember when we were talking about uh, Europa and Enceladus, it's like the gravitational heating causes oceans to rise underneath yeah, the ice yeah. i didn't know if there was some sort of like gravitational heating based on our orbit around the sun that like helps keep our core growing or if it's just that our planet formed differently and has developed differently than mars oh like that's, if yeah that's a good question i don't really know what, so what we did talk about on the bonus episode is that uh if if earth you know had formed as just like a big ball of molten rock which it did, mm-hmm. uh, then it would have cooled off to this point in like 100 million years. But what we know is that it actually has taken four and a half billion years to reach this point. True, so, okay, yeah. So, I mean, that already answers the question of like, it's not, there's there's more at play. 
And I think, I think what they specifically discovered, what we talked about in the bonus episode, was radioactivity. It's like radioactivity is a factor here. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure what happened on Mars, but... Not as... I don't know. I was trying to think of a clever pun. It's just not as... <laughs> I going to say it's not as cool, but it's actually much cooler. It's much cooler. Cool. So magnetism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, magnetism. I thought that was interesting just as a, I don't know, as a plasma person. Yeah, well, a, I mean, a, it's just interesting to know that We've never flown a magnetometer on one of these rovers before. I guess Insight yeah, is a lander, not a rover. But Yeah, James. Ugh. Get it straight. Insufferable. Okay, so now on to the, uh, the exciting part. Drum roll, please. The Mars quakes. Yes. So they start talking the about all this seismic activity. That yeah, the, the booty shaking, Mars quaking, Mars quakes. So as of... September 30th, 2019, they had measured 174 likely Mars quakes with their seismometer. Okay. What can That's you where you're supposed to go. Give some idea Whoa. about this. Whoa. 174. Whoa. 174. That's way more than they were expecting to see, right? Yeah, that's isn't that crazy, James? I'm so glad you appreciated that. <laughs> I have no I have no ground reference. <laughs> No, well, so, I mean, I would say like it's more than they expected, but I don't really know how much they expected. All I know is that this is actually the first, the first like confirmation that this activity, activity even exists. This is one of those beautiful moments in like space science where it's like, we didn't know. So any answer we give you is a whoa moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I don't they mean must to, have, oh, I, I don't mean to downplay. I mean, I'm sure they actually had some ballpark idea of what was actually happening, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I get what you're saying. Like, if they, I mean, obviously they had some prediction if they were flying a seismometer all the way to Mars. You know, mm -hmm. it beat out all these other missions that had really cool science. They weren't just going there to guess. But you're right that if they had showed up and found out the answer was zero, that is equally interesting. Yes. Yes. It's like uh, I'm teaching this class right now on wireless communications. And the worst thing that you could have if you're sending bits, is a 50-50 chance that a bit is a zero or a one. It's like if I send you a one and it's always flipped, that's great. Like if I send you one and it always turns to a zero, or if I send you a zero and it turns to one, it's like I'm still sending you information. It's just flipped. Yeah, yeah you can still work with that. If you get zero earthquakes, that's awesome. If you get a ton of earthquakes, that's awesome. It's like if you only got 10, then you're like, hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's still cool. Like you still did science, but it's like, okay, there's some mars quakes once in a while yeah at least broke 100 you know yeah although interestingly this number is still a lot less than you see on earth they have like kind of a cool plot actually where they show these frequencies so they're showing magnitude on the x-axis and the frequency of the event on the y-axis so how often and an earthquake of that magnitude occurs exactly so you can imagine that the higher the magnitude the less often it's going to get so essentially, you just have this line that's sloping downwards towards the right of the plot. Mm -hmm. You know, a magnitude 9 earthquake happens way more infrequently than a magnitude 4 earthquake. Yeah. Right? What they do show is that the measurements they've made is uh, far less than what you'd see here on Earth. It's not nearly as tectonically active, but it still is quite a bit more than what they see on the moon. So the moon has, has earthquakes or moonquakes, which we've also talked about on an episode of Paperboys. Yes. Getting a lot of self-citations in on this one. 
which we also talked about on an episode of Paper Boys. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, just, I'm, getting, I'm getting myself into like an infinite loop here. Yeah, that was a great episode about the moonquakes and the moon shrinking. But so it turns out Mars has more earthquakes than the moon. And I think what it's comparable to what they say is like to about the level of earthquakes that you have in the middle of a tectonic plate on Earth today. So like Nebraska. Yeah, exactly. I think they even use like Nebraska as like a a point of reference. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. I mean, so there are, I'm actually surprised that there have been that many. I mean, I guess on Earth, you measure them like all the time, especially close to tectonic plates. But for a planet that we suspect to be much less geologically active, that seems like it's pretty surprising information. Uh, Yes. And I think also what's interesting is that they haven't measured very many large earthquakes. So, I mean, obviously, like it would take some time to eventually measure one of those, but I don't think any of them have exceeded magnitude four. And I think by now they, they should have expected to see something in that range. So I don't know much about how earthquakes are measured. I know like the Richter scale magnitude is like a log scale. So, you know, if you go up from like an eight to a nine, it's a huge difference. But yeah, are does like the magnitude of an earthquake on Earth translate to the magnitude of an earthquake on Mars? Um, I... My dumb answer is going to be yes. I think that they have to do different things to the data. Um, But yes, you can compare earthquakes that way. Okay. I mean, I'm saying that because they are doing that in this paper. Like they're they're directly comparing. But whenever, but when they say something like magnitude, whatever, uh, sometimes they'll specify like scaled to Mars's surface area or something like that. Okay. So there's. There might be some scaling involved. Yeah, so you can compare like the strength of the quakes. Um, I don't know, I don't know all the math behind that, but interesting. Okay. So the other thing that they talked about too with these quakes is that um, it's possible that the seismometer could pick up meteor impacts. So if like a meteor strikes the planet somewhere, especially if it's nearby, I mean that's obviously going to shake the ground, and they've got a very sensitive instrument sitting there that would obviously pick that up. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, I guess it's like similar to how on Earth they use seismometers to detect if countries are detonating nuclear weapons like underground yeah. or Yeah. So so far there've been no nuclear detonations on Mars Whew. that they can confirm. Okay. Um okay. unless that's published in some classified report <laughs> the day after this. The aliens on Mars. But I thought that was like kind of a cool a cool thing to be even thinking about and that eventually so i mean like we saw with the dust devil you know we have an orbiter up there with a very high-res camera and uh they have like and and they said in the paper they're already even doing this they're taking like global imaging data mm-hmm. and they're comparing you know like a picture from today to a picture that was taken a month ago to whatever to try and see if there's any like change in the surface that correlates with a time when they had a measurement Oh, so then they can start to identify. So, I mean, they've already got all the tools in place to like make a measurement of the surface, like what happens on the surface when a meteor strikes a planet, which is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's very likely that some of these measurements that they've made were meteors. I think like the expected rate of impact on Mars is like 10 every year or something like that. 
Wow. Okay. So, I mean, of the 174, like, it's possible, you know, a dozen of, give them a baker's dozen worth of yeah. meteor strikes. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Was, um, was there anything else about the paper that was surprising to you or any interesting findings or, like, methods? Other than the fact that they landed uh, something on Mars and drilled a probe into the ground? Um, not really. I mean, if I had read like all six of these papers, I would probably have about 10 hours of podcasts to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just reading through like this perspective paper, the overview was, I think is a, is a great like intro to what they've really done. And to me, what's exciting is that there's still so much more to do. So, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, this, they, they published six papers in nature on the same day covering less than a year of data from one of their three instruments. Wow. Do you know what the lifetime of Insight's supposed to be? Yeah, I think the mission is supposed to be like a full Martian year, which is about two Earth years. Okay. And so they're they're just about halfway through. Okay. And then, I mean, as as most things that we've landed on Mars, it's probably going to last a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. that's just like the prime mission like the official the official end date of the mission quote unquote is you know about a year away sweet well that's awesome it's exciting to see such good data coming back already yeah it's really cool like to have it be so successful sort of like undervalues undersell is how hard it is what they're doing yeah it totally does they're suffering um, from their own success yeah and you know that's I mean we can just look back to the beginning of the episode. We we're talking about the mole that they that they're having trouble digging into the surface. Like that right there kind of gives you this sense of like, you know, this is about the hardest kind of science that you can do. I think probably the only harder science you can do is like studying the the deep hadal trenches of the ocean. You know? Yeah. Seriously. Um, like the two most unexplored places in the universe. Yeah. But the other, you know, what I think is kind of cool is like you and I have talked about, you know, once we've done this podcast long enough, we'll eventually get to like cover follow on science of stuff that we did before. So I just think it's like really cool to have done an episode a year ago talking about the problem of landing this thing on Mars. And now and now here we are a year later getting to talk about the science that that successful landing led to. Yeah. That is really cool. That's a great point. And soon, hopefully, I mean, soon, relatively, get to talk about Mars 2020 science. Yeah. Use some new oh curiosity gosh. science. You know what we need to do is get into the, um, like the press core that gets to cover the launch of yes. Mars 2020. Yes. We should apply. Yeah, we should do that. We should actually like seriously look that up. Yeah. And then we'll do an episode recorded during the launch so that you can't hear anything. You'll just hear like. For those of you who don't know, um, Charlie's end game is to be the announcer for all of the NASA launches. Dude, so since I've been at JPL, I think I've discovered that is never going to happen. Really? Is that like everybody's dream? No. Um, it's just that they hire like actually really qualified like like people with backgrounds as like TV anchors and stuff. 
Damn. to do to do outreach and to do like video content. So I'm pretty sure those people get tapped to announce the launches. Oh, dude. But like you'll have a PhD in aerospace engineering and a podcast with billions of listens. Like you're totally qualified. <laughs> uh, I guess. Yeah. And and you know, this nasally voice and what? bad camera presence. I've got really all it takes. Dude, nobody's looking at the person when they're during the launch you're on camera give us a little taste give us a little taste give us one launch (laughs) uh no (laughs) i can't i can't do it i think you should you should like take video footage from like dozens of past launches and like (laughs) dub your voice over it (laughs) and make up like my own so my favorite thing about those launch announcers is that they'll do like the um They'll say like whatever the canned tagline of the mission is right after it launches. And so it'll be like, and liftoff of the InSight mission to Mars to study the ancient history and discover a new future for humans. <laughs> they Dude, always say that. You're perfect. Yeah. That'll, that'll be me. You can list me as a reference if you need. Okay. You could be my writer. You could write all my starry eye taglines. Oh, dream job <laughs> sweet okay well, well i wish i had more for you sorry it's a little no. shorter but this is great we'll have to just wait for the next round of nature papers that they publish yes or maybe for the next six weeks we can just do an episode about each one of these papers yes i'm sure people oh, will get a little bit bored they're like another paper about seismic activity on mars yeah sweet well thanks man yeah, uh, everyone go check this out. I think this is open access. I just say that because here on my laptop, I am able to see it and I'm not logged into anything. So uh, we'll post a link to this on our website, paperboyspodcast.com. I, this is actually like, I would recommend reading this one if you if you are feeling up to it and feeling bored. Uh, it's pretty plain English. I think this was written so that people like me could read this paper without having to read the other five and not have like a technical understanding of all the all the actual geology stuff that goes into the other papers yeah absolutely and the writing for like all of these nature papers is generally very good yes yeah we'll post a link to that yeah and thank you for joining us and please join us again next week for another exciting edition of paper boys Thanks so much for listening.